afternoon, a crowded aisle in one of our city's largest department stores. Making slow headway through the jostling shoppers are... Casey, I've never seen the store so crowded. Yeah, we say that every year during the week before Christmas, Annie. Where, where are you taking me now, huh? Well, you haven't anything for your Aunt Harriet yet, oh, so I thought right. we'd look at umbrellas there. On this side of the store somewhere. Yeah. Annie, look, uh, you can pick up a much nicer umbrella for Aunt Harriet than I can. I trust your judgment absolutely, Annie. So suppose Suppose you... I shop for all the uninteresting items while you go up to the toy department and watch the electric trains again. Uh, well, you know I've still got to pick up a few more things for my sister's kids, Annie. And... Mm-hmm. Hey, Annie, wait a minute. Hang on to your pocketbook. Keep an eye on that little guy in the black overcoat just ahead of us. Who? That's Fingers Fogarty. One of the best-known dips in the city. Pickpocket? Yep. Shove through this mob a little faster, Annie. Now, keep him in sight. I think he's closing in on a prospect. You mean he's made up his mind about whose pocket he's going to pick? Sure, smart dips like fingers don't dive into just anybody's pocket. They hang around bars and wait for some guy to flash a roll, and they tail him. If he gets into a crowd like this... Look, Fogarty's doing his stuff now, Annie. No? Yeah. That big fat guy he just bumped into. Fingers took a wallet from his inside pocket. Well, I didn't see him. Neither did the fat guy. Fingers is a smooth worker. Come on. You'll feel very badly when we stop his special brand of Christmas shopping, but pocket picking is considered antisocial. I've got to get Mr. Fogarty. The Anchor Hawking Glass Corporation brings you Crime Photographer. Detective Dexter Rowland presents Christmas Shopping. A crime photography story featuring Flashgun Casey himself. Originally aired December 19th, 1946. Buckle up, Square. We're about to go to the store. After the story Johnny Dollar had told me, I knew that I would need something to take the edge off. And you would think my apartment and the OLCC home office had something in common, considering they were equally dry and exciting when it came to getting a drink. So I closed up shop and bounced my way down to the Blue Note, a hip joint with groovy combo that usually has the place cooking even early in the night. The place was a real who's who of people I shouldn't readily admit to knowing, but we all had the professional courtesy to give each other a wide berth and to take any funny business outside. I saw Johnny in the corner, talking up a pair of stems while he smoked with the sort of vigor that made anyone who still clung to the habit quite proud of him in that moment. I bellied up to the bar and ordered a few highballs, condensed to its strongest spirits in a single glass, with a beer to chase the blues away. But before I could be clever with the tip, I saw Ann Williams, which meant that Flashgun Casey himself wasn't too far behind. She immediately attached to my side and drugged me away, and I could never say no to a pretty lady. So we took a seat at their table, where Casey leaned in close to clink his glass to mine in commiseration. Before I could even get a word in edgewise, he mentioned that he and Ann had been shopping that day. Christmas shopping. See, it happened like this. The Anchor Hawking Glass Corporation of Lancaster, Ohio, and its more than 10,000 employees bring you another adventure of Casey Crime Photographer. 
Ace Cameraman, who covers the crime news of a great city. Written by Alonzo Dean Cole. Our adventure for tonight, Christmas shopping. Well, he squeezed through the crowd. I can't see him anymore. Uh, neither can I. Look, Casey, yell out for somebody to stop him. Oh, well, I yell, stop thief. Well, you can't let him get away. He won't get away. Uh-uh. Every cop in this precinct knows fingers. He'll be picked up quick after a charge is brought against him. I'll help that guy who lost his wallet bring the charge. Yes, too. if you appear as a witness. I will. Where's the fat man? Excuse me, mister. Uh? <laughs> Something happened to you a minute ago that I don't think you know about. What do you mean? Your pocket was picked. My pocket? Yeah. A little guy bumped into you, and as he did, I saw his hand go into your inside pocket and come out with a wallet. Well, I happen to know who he is, and when you report your loss to the cops, I'll be glad... You're to... mistaken, mister. I didn't lose my wallet. Huh? I'm sure. I... I'm more sure. I tell you, I saw him. When a guy sees something that couldn't be seen, he's either goofy or drunk. On your way, fella. Well, I'll be... Hmm. Good thing you didn't get your hands on fingers, Fogarty. He could have plastered you with a nice suit for false arrest. And I know he took a wallet from that fat guy's pocket. I was watching every move that fingers made. Well, I was watching him, too, and I didn't see him take anything. And that fat man says he didn't lose a wallet, so... Okay, I'm goofy or drunk. Well, maybe you only need glasses. Well, I do after this. Several glasses. Let's head for the blue note.
Gracie, get your Christmas shopping done this afternoon, Miss Williams? Well, I accomplished quite a lot, Ethelbert, but not Casey. He got sore, and after that, nothing would please him. What'd you get sore about, pal? Nothing. Oh, he had a little eye trouble. Oh, gee, that's too bad. Did you see spots floating in front of you, Casey? My eyes are okay. Now, fill that glass up again, Ethelbert. Don't ask some silly right. questions. Mine too, Ethelbert. Right away, Miss Williams. Oh, now, Casey, don't you think it's about time you snapped out of your grouch? Well. It's pretty silly to get yourself all burned up just because you made a mistake. I didn't make a mistake, Annie. Fingers Fogarty took a wallet from that fat guy's pocket. What burns me up is I, I didn't find out why the fat guy denied it. Well, how could you have found out? Oh, I don't know. But I'm supposed to be a newspaper guy, Annie. Well, we may have missed a story with pictures. Here's your refreshment, folks. Oh, thanks, Ethelbert. Say, have you stopped into your office since you finished shopping? Hey, uh, huh? bartender. Who's the boss here? Well, uh, what do you want? You want to buy a nice Christmas tree? You got some nice ones? A wagon full of them, fresh from Nova Scotia. Hmm. Let's see one. Well, I'll be right back. Say, um, Casey, have you two stopped in at your office since you finished your shopping? Certainly not. This is our day off. Then you ain't heard the big news yet. What big news? One of your police reporters, Jake Birkin, was in a few minutes ago and tipped me off about it. Gee, he was all excited. What happened, Ethelbert? About half an hour ago, the cops arrested the kidnapper and murderer of Gregory Walters. They did? Where? Well, where'd they get him? Well, like you know, before the Walters family paid over that $50,000 ransom to the kidnapper, yeah, yeah. the FBI made a list of the serial numbers on the bills, yeah. which they circulated all over the of country. Of course, you know? we know all that, uh, Ethelbert. I... How's this tree, mister? Nice and bushy, huh? Hmm. Let's see one a little taller. A little taller, okay. Ethel Bird, will you tell us about that kidnapper? Well, I'm getting to it. Well, come on, come on. Well, a guy walks into a tavern over on 36th Street tonight, yeah. orders a drink, and hands a barkeep a 20-buck bill with one of them hot numbers on it. The barkeep checks the number, calls a cop, and when the cop searched the guy... He found about 500 bucks more of the ransom dough in his pocket. Well, Ethel, but who is the guy who had the ransom dough? The cops identified him yet? Well, they knew him as soon as they laid eyes on but him. But, Ethelbert, who is he? Please. Hey, uh, hey, uh, hey. Is this tray big enough, mister? Uh, let's see. Well, let's see one a little thicker around the bottom. Thicker around the bottom. Ethelbert, yeah. will you please Casey tell and it? I know him. He's always been a small-time crook, and I was surprised to learn he was mixed up with anything so big as kidnapping and murder. Oh, say, will you tell us? I am telling you. It's that little runt, Fingers Fogarty. Fingers Fogarty? Yeah, the dip. He had Walter's ransom dough on him? About 500 bucks, just like I said. Naturally, Fingers denies having anything to do with the kidnapping. He said he lifted the dough out of the pocket of a guy who was Christmas shopping in S.J. Franken's department store. Franken's. Around 4 o'clock this afternoon. Casey Franken. And that fat guy denied he's been robbed. Do you think he was the Oh, I can't see fingers as a kidnapper. He's always been just a slimy little sneak thief. Hey, what's this about a fat guy, Casey? Annie, Annie, come on. We're going to tell Logan what happened in Franken's. What did happen, Well, never mind. You'll hear it later, Ethelbert. So long. So long. Hey. Hey, is this one big enough for you, mister? I tell them, to a whole complete news story in two short words, then they run off and leave me out on a limb. What limb? Too big? Hmm? Oh, you. Ah. Uh, oh, no, we've got to have a really big tree. Uh.
think Fingers Fogarty may be just the victim of circumstances, Casey. Circumstances peculiar to his profession. Miss Williams and I have told you what happened, Logan. You can add it up. Captain, have you got anything on Fogarty outside of the $500 found in his pocket? And I did, Miss Williams. The joint he lives in is being searched, but we don't think he was chump enough to hide the rest of his ransom money there. If he lifted the five C's and that fat guy, he has no rest of the dough to hide. Now, look, Casey... Fingers Fogarty knows you pretty well, doesn't he? Yeah, sure, he knows me, certainly. Now, hasn't it occurred to you that he may have put out an act for your benefit? Hmm? I don't get you. Now, let's assume that Fingers is the real kidnapper. It's been over a year since the ransom money was paid. Fingers has been careful. He hasn't tried to pass any of the 50 grand because he knows it's red hot. But now he figures the heat has died down, so he sends up a trial balloon. How do you mean trial balloon? Well, he's got a record as a dip, Miss Williams. He figures if he gets caught passing that dough, we'll believe that he lifted the money from a guy's pocket. And to cinch it, he acts like he's lifting it from a guy's pocket while Casey is watching him. <laughs> he picked you for his star witness, pal. Logan, huh? hasn't it occurred to you that the fat guy might have been sending up that trial balloon? Huh? What do you mean? Assume the fat guy is the real kidnapper. And he wants to know how safe it is to pass those ransom bills. He knows that Fingers is a pickpocket. Well, he goes to one of the little runt's hangouts and flashes a roll in front of him. And then he leaves the joint, saunters into a crowded store where it'll be easy for Fingers to work, and Fingers does exactly what's expected of him. Uh, That's a reasonable theory, Captain. Uh, sure. If Fingers gets caught passing that dough, the kidnapper learns about it from the papers and continues to let the money cool off. Also, Fingers has a long record. You cops won't believe anything he tells you. You'll tag him as the Walters kidnapper, which will leave the real one sitting pretty. The only thing the real kidnapper didn't figure was that someone might see Fingers take his wallet. Well, maybe you got something there, Casey. You and Miss Williams have never seen that fat guy before. Mm -hmm. No, no, but we'll know him if we see him again, though. Definitely. Uh, your description might fit a thousand guys in this town. I want you two to go up to the record room and, and look at some pictures we've got in the files. Uh, oh, great. That'll only take us about four or five hours, Oh, Casey. And this was to have been our night off.
recognize any picture here, Logan. Oh, me either. Oh, golly. Captain, why don't you have some good-looking crooks in your files? I'm going to have nightmares looking at pictures of so many ugly men. Oh, you should see the women. <laughs> Logan, you know, there's one picture here that bothers me. It, it, it resembles the guy a lot, but, but well, look at the description that goes with it. Nick Pencer, Woolstock Prison, discharged 1944, armed robbery. Age 30, height 5 feet. Well, you said your fat guy was a 6-footer and at least 45 years old. Yeah, he weighed a good 250-plus, too. This Nick Pencer's weight has given us only 135. Well, they can't be the same man, then. No, no, not a chance. It's funny, though, there is a resemblance. Well, uh, we need more than that. <sighs>
thank you. No, thanks. Hello. Oh, oh, oh. Hello. Morning, Annie. Who's this? Wake up, kid. It's Casey. Casey? Oh, oh, Casey. Yeah, Casey, yeah, you remember me, don't you? Yes, I do, and it's only 9 o'clock, and what is the big idea? Uh, Annie, Annie, look, I think I know where to look for that fat guy. You do? I certainly do. The old bean wasn't working last night. But when I woke up a few minutes ago, I had it. The strong resemblance between that young half-pint crook, Nick Penser, and our big, fat, 45-year-old guy can't be just coincidental, Annie. They must be relatives, maybe brothers. Mm-hmm, go well, on. Well, I've looked in the phone book and found only one Penser listed, John Penser, contractor who lives and does business out on Dudley Road. I thought you might like to drive out there with me and see what John Penser looks like. Uh, why don't you have the cops go out and look at him? Uh, Annie, you're not awake yet. Only you and I can identify that fat guy. Besides, if, if you and I find him, Annie, we get, we get an exclusive. The cops are in on it. Every paper in town will have Well, I'm awake now, all right. Where will I meet you? I'll be outside your door with a car in 15 minutes. Casey, I've got to dress. Uh, oh, we'll make it a half an hour, then. We'll make it a full hour, and no sooner. Well, what are you going to dress, yourself or a Christmas tree? Listen, Annie, I can bathe, shave, and get into my clothes in 10 minutes. I put on underwear. Goodbye. <laughs>
Streaming and download links. Playlists. Podcasting information. What's this call? Saturday, noon, Pacific time on kpsu.org. What's this called? Ultra blog. What's this called? .net. Cody. And we are the, the Capital Couple. We like to talk about things that we do in the town that we live here in Salem, Oregon. And the adventures we try to get on in a town meant for families Indeed. when it's just the two of us. And we have no children. So we go to farmers markets, the library, local restaurants and shops that sell things. Parks and weird history places that exist in our town. Come and join our adventures. The Capital Couple. I had something fun to say after that, but now I can't remember it. (laughs) (laughs) You can find us at thecapitalcouple.wordpress.com. WTBC Radio in beautiful anywhere, anywhere. Brought to you by A Picture is Worth an Hour of Radio Institute of America. We're getting close to that address, Annie. Yeah. This isn't a very attractive neighborhood. No. John Pence, a contractor, can't be much of a concern. And John Pence, a contractor, may be no relation whatever to the Nick Pence in the police files. The name's very unusual, Ann. I have a hunch. Uh-oh. There's the place. Yep. I'll stop here so we can look the joint over. Well, there's a concrete garage attached to the house with a good-sized truck inside and room for another. Hmm. Concrete mixer in the workyard. Oh, Casey, established businessman. Don't go in for kidnapping. I think we're on a wild goose chase. Annie, that guy coming out of the garage. Hmm, what about him? He's just a skinny little... Annie, you need glasses and a more photographic memory. He's the man of that police picture. Of course, Nick Penser. Now I know my hunch was right. He's looking over here. Well, he's never seen this before, but I'll get rolling anyway. Now, how can we find out if he has a fat brother? Well, we'll drop into one of these neighborhood stores and make a few inquiries. Then what? Well, how can I tell until I find out what I hope to find out? Annie, you're the darndest girl for asking questions. You really mm. are. Now, let's stop there. Now, we'll stop here. We'll go into this little drugstore right here. The druggist usually knows everybody in the neighborhood. Come on. Okay, but I think it would be simpler and more sensible to make inquiries at the precinct police station. I don't want the cops in on this until we know where we stand. Here, let me do the talking. It's your party, wise guy. You handle everything.
What can I do for you, young people? Ah, hello, Pop. We're going to have, um... Well, what kind of ice cream soda do you want, Annie? If I must have an ice cream soda, chocolate. Chocolate. Same for me. Uh, two chocolate sodas. That's right. Huh? Oh, by the way, uh, I'm looking for a party in this neighborhood by the name of Pencer. I imagine you know the family well. Pencer? Yeah. Never heard the name before. Uh, you never heard of it? Change my order to raspberry. Uh, yes, miss. One raspberry. <clears throat> I'm uh, just a stranger here. Come down from upstate to handle this place while my son's away hunting. Maybe my granddaughter can tell you what you want to know. Say, uh, Katie. Yes, Grandpa? Come here. Fellas looking for a party by the name of Penner. Penner? No, not uh, Penner. Pencer. Oh, I know the Pencers. All of them. You do? That's swell, eh? Mr. Pencil lives down the street. Uh-huh. Over his office. He's a contractor. Uh, what's he look like? Is he, uh... uh... uh is Mr. Pencer short and skinny and his first name is Nick. Yeah, well, Nick Pencer's not the contract. Yes, he is. Ever since he got out of prison a couple of years ago. You say somebody's gone to prison, Katie? No, Grandpa. They've come out. That serves him right, then. The man's reformed now. Oh, that's bad, very bad. Well, Grandpa's a little deaf. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, sister, I, I understand that my friend, Nick, has a brother or a cousin. No. Uh, uh, maybe an uncle? No. Uh, here's the sodies. Uh, who gets your raspberry? He does. Uh, here you are, mister. Thanks. And, Mr. Casey, you have earned it. Sister, you mean Mr. Nick Pencer has no relatives at all? He's got a sister and a nephew. Oh, that's a great help. How old's the nephew? About ten? No, ma'am. It's the funniest thing. Mr. Gus Pencer's a lot older than his uncle. Huh? Mr. Gus is Mr. Nick's partner, I think. And he comes in here all the time. What does Mr. Gus Pencer look like? Well, he's tall and fat and... In the face, he looks like Mr. Nick. Annie, give me that chocolate. You take the raspberry. Here's Mr. Gus now. Oh, Casey. He's our fat guy. Mr. Gus, these yeah. people were just asking about you. They're friends of Mr. Uh, Nick. Oh, that's bad. Is that so? He recognizes us, Casey. Yeah. Wasn't it lucky I had dropped in here when I did to find friends of Nick's? Uh, Grandpa, go back to your back room and put me up uh, two bits worth of turpentine. Uh, two bits worth of turpentine? Uh, go along and help him, sissy. He can never find anything. I'll no, show no, him, no, Mr. Gus. No. So you two were asking about me. You've been told that we were. I noticed a car outside with a press sign on it. Yours? Yeah. And you were looking for me because of what you happened to see in Franken's yesterday. If I said no, you wouldn't believe me. Right. This hand in my pocket has a gun in it, mister. So do exactly as I tell you. Okay. Remember, and don't pull anything. Here's a bottle of turps. Thanks, Grandpa. Here's your two bits. Uh, come on with me, folks. You said you wanted to pay Nick a visit. Uh, Casey. We got no choice, Annie. Right. Uh, so long, Grandpa. Hey, ain't you folks going to finish your sodas? No, we lost our appetites. You didn't take even a sip of your raspberry, mister. That's what you think, sister. into your car. Both in the front seat. You drive, fella. I'll sit in back with this gat. Well, I drive, too. Just down the street to Nick's place. Mine. He and I are partners in everything. He'd be tickled to see the old friend. Place for all my 
Turn into the work yard and park in our garage. And next to the truck there. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. Now what do we do? You and your boyfriend don't do anything, lady. And to make sure you don't... You hit Casey with your gun! And you get the shape! That'll keep the two of you quiet for a while. Nick! Nick! Yeah? What do you want, Cus? Come into the garage, quick. Okay. Whose car you got in there? You'll see. Come inside and help me close these doors. Okay. What's the idea? Take a look inside this car. Who's the guy and the dame? The two I told you about last night. Saw that dip take the hot dough from my pocket. They got wise to the layout and located us. Hey, police? No. These two are newspaper mugs. I figured they were making this play on their own, so we got to take care of them. Uh, we can't bump them off here. We can. We do it nice, clean, and quiet. Get those big spools of adhesive tape from the house. What are you going to do? You'll see. Get that tape. Yeah. Yeah. Got the gal all tied up, Gus. And help me with this guy. Yeah. Wrap some more tape around his ankles. Okay. Yeah. He's fixed now and solid. All right. I'll climb into that truck and start the motor, Nick. Oh, the carbon monoxide treatment, huh? Yeah. Nice, clean, and quiet. You just lock him in this closed garage to breathe the gas. Tonight, when it's dark, we get rid of their bodies in their car. Start the motor. against that fender. Nod your head if you're okay, kid. Good. <coughs> I'm gonna try to pull the adhesive tape off your wrists with my teeth. I'm getting lightheaded. Gas is beginning to work. Uh, I've got the tape. Now pull and turn your wrists. Pull more, Annie. Uh, I did it. Your hands are free. Pull the tape off your mouth now. Oh. Okay. <coughs> I see the gas. Keep your head down low, kid. Try to hold on. I will, I will. Pull this tape off my hands. You, you, you better let me free my ankles first so I can get to that truck and... 
shut off the motor. No, no, no. Free my hands. Those two guys may be just outside where they can hear. Yeah, but but, but if it keeps on running, we'll, we'll... If it doesn't keep on running, we'll have no second chance like this. Free my hands. All right, I... all right. I, I, I've got the end loose. I... Pull now. There, does it. Now, unwind your ankles while I get this stuff off of mine. What what good will it do us? We, we, we can't get out of here. We'll get out. Don't this, breathe, Judy. This, this get out. garage is solid concrete. And I heard them lock those heavy doors when they went out. So ah, I've got my ankles free. Now, hang on, kid. I'm picking you up. What are you going to do? I'm putting you in this truck. This truck? Why? It's taking us out of here. Keep your head down. Okay. I'm driving through those doors. Casey, you are through. Pure air. Wait a minute, look. Also, those two pencil guys, they heard us. Yes, and they have guns, too. Step on my gas, Casey. Drive past them. Let's get away. I can't. You, oh, you can't? Oh, What's the I matter? I stole the motor. Duck, they're shooting. Oh, why are they running away? They're, they're getting into that car. They're going to try to get away. If I can only get this motor started again. That did it. Now, come on. Casey, don't drive toward their car. They'll stop I'm driving into there. their car. <laughs> uh, this 10-ton truck does a nice job when it hits a tin can like oh, that. Oh, Casey. My nerves will never be the same again. I'll never recognize mine either. Come on, let's call City Desk. <laughs> get the cops out here so we can get to the Blue Note. I need another pair of glasses. The kind you fill. didn't kill them two kidnappers when you threw that truck at them, Casey? No, Bethelbert, no. The cops pulled them out of the wreckage in fairly good shape, considering. They'll be able to walk to the chair. How about the ransom money? Did the cops find it? Yeah, yeah. Gus, the fat guy, confessed the Walters' kidnapping and told where he and Nick had hidden the dough. Gee, and all because you and Miss Williams did some Christmas shopping. <laughs> Say, what happened to the little dip, Fingers Fogarty? Well, in trying to clear himself of the kidnap and murder charge, Ethelbert, Fingers made so many admissions about his own specialty that the cops can keep him in jail until 
Casey wrapped up his story and looked at me, and there was hardly anything I could say that would make anything actually better, and more importantly, wouldn't make him feel any better himself about their shopping trip or about Fingers Fogarty having to go to jail until 1999. But after a couple rounds of drinks and some lighter conversation, it was clear that Casey would feel fine eventually. And as I tried to make time with Anne, a futile effort, but fun to take a crack at nonetheless, I soaked in the holiday cheer of the Blue Note, and in particular Herman Chittison's piano work. Man, what a player! And tried to let the problems of the past fade away with each new round of drinks. It was at the point in the evening when you make a lot of bad decisions. So before I made any more, I decided to offer a rundown of the music we played in this episode. Our theme song is by Paco Jones and his family. And on side A, we heard music by Brendan Smalls, Rabbits, The Whalers, the ones from Washington, not Marley's band. The Human Genome Project recorded live in 2004 at KPSU. And new music by The Cherry Orchard. And we closed things out with The Replacements. On side B, we had The Savage Resurrection, Enemy Mine, The Meat Puppets, Big Black, Galaxy 500, and The Legendary Pink Dots. The bar was getting close to closing up shop itself, and there was a buzz around the room about what to do next. Anne and Casey had long ago left, and I was enjoying the holiday party vibe that was hitting us from every direction, with Christmas lights to the left of us and decorations to the right. I'd been working on a twist with eyes like the ocean and just as turbulent, and it sounded like she knew where the action was that evening. I double-timed it to the corner store and picked up a few bottles of this and that and made it back to the bar in time to catch her and a few friends on their way to a private party where they were getting ready to tell ghost stories about a friend of theirs named The Whistler. As the saying goes, I took stock of what condition my condition was in and decided that it made sense to step outside of my routine and let this evening take me to where it clearly wanted me to go. It was, after all, the holidays. A night of old-fashioned ghost stories sounded just right and with a few pretty girls and a couple of other heavies will turn the evening into a peacock show for these ladies and a fair chance that things could get very interesting before the night was over. I took down the address and began walking so I could suck down a few cigarettes and let the night air sober me up a bit before I dove back into the debauchery. After all, Christmas only comes once a year. 
And until next time, be seeing you. is written by Alonzo Dean Cole and is based on the fictional character of Casey created by George Harmon Cox. The original music is by Archie Blyer and the program features Miss Leslie Woods as Anne and John Gibson as Ethelbert. Herman Chittison is the Blue Note pianist. Now for our sponsor, the Anchor Hawking Glass Corporation and all of us on the show, this is Tony Marvin wishing every one of you a joyful and happy holiday at this Christmas time. CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. WTBC.